Hi, I'm Chelsea, the Christian Nutritionist. Welcome to the Christian Health Club podcast. We are here to fire you up in spirit, mind, and body so that you can get out into the world and be everything God created you to be. Welcome to the club. Here we go. Hello, my friend. Welcome back to the club. How are you today? I am feeling very back to my roots today because one of the foundations of my training as a nutritional therapy practitioner was based on the work of Weston A. Price, a dentist who traveled the world in the early 1900s to discover the keys to good dental health, Um, good overall health, and just good nutrition. And it is thanks to him and his work that we have the anchor of the traditional diet, you know, the one that is full of butter and meat and broth and raw dairy and fermented foods. Um, And just having that as an anchor to keep us grounded against this kind of wavy sea of questionable modern nutrition advice that we are getting. And it is thanks to the good people of the Weston A. Price Foundation for keeping his work alive and continuing to educate people on the importance of a nutrient-dense diet, one that includes these traditional ancestral foods. Um, And they have been a very powerful voice for nutrient density, sustainable farming and animal husbandry, honest food labeling, preconception nutrition, nutrition for children. They dispel all of the myths regarding saturated fat, cholesterol, vegetable oils, veganism, soy, and everything else driving people away from real food the way God made it and into the arms of industrially processed foods that are making us sick. Today, we have a guest with a very powerful voice um, for the Weston A. Price Foundation and for ancestral health in general. She hosts the popular podcast, Wise Traditions. She is an integrative nutrition certified health coach, a certified nutrition professional, and ancestral health advocate who has traveled the world exploring indigenous health practices for optimal well-being. She is known as Holistic Hilda and has an inspiring website with lots of good information. And I'm so, so pleased to have her with us today. Welcome Hilda Labrada Gore to the Christian Health Club podcast. Chelsea, thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you, especially uh, since we were just talking here right before we started recording. And I just think you are uh, just a perfect guest for this this topic and everything we're going to talk about today. It only took us about 20 tries to finally to be here together. So <laughs> I know. Oh my goodness. It is. I've had to reschedule a lot due to some family things going on. And so um, I really appreciate you understanding um, that and being flexible and not giving up on me because I really wanted you here. I'm so excited just to talk about um, this movement inspired by Weston A. Price. Um, and you know, I've referenced his work several times over the last three years of doing this podcast. And I always, I always keep promising. I'm like, okay, I'm going to come back around and we're going to talk about this more and do a dedicated podcast around it. And today is that day. And I'm, I'm happy about it. Why don't we start 
by you telling us how you got into the holistic health space and involved with the Weston A. Price Foundation and just having that very honored position of, of hosting the, the Wise Traditions podcast. I am excited, first and foremost, to tell you the story of a man I encountered in Kenya. Chelsea, I'd like to start with that. Great. He was a Maasai elder. He was so old, he didn't know how old he was. Literally, he had no idea. So his relatives and I were like calculating, okay, T came to his village on this date. Like we're trying to figure out, I think he was like 100. And basically, I hadn't started the podcast yet. And I was like, I need to talk to this man. I need to record what he tells me about how he lived as a child and stuff. So I literally grabbed my iPhone, clicked on voice memo, and through a translator started saying to him, what was it like when you were a child? And he was like, we never got sick. We didn't get sick. If we felt like a chill coming on, we would drink milk from the cow and he would bend over demonstrating how they would drink milk directly from the udder. And I was like, oh my gosh. And then he said, and now they say, oh, the cold is coming. Your grandchildren have to wear jackets. He's like, but we didn't have jackets. And I said, well, what did you eat? And he said, whatever we could catch, we would hunt wild game and have some berries and some wild honey. And that was about it. And I was like, wow, I was blown away, first of all, by how hale and hearty he was, but by the truth of what he was saying, that he just lived very naturally. And this very much corresponded with the way Dr. Price saw it. As you said earlier, in the 1930s, he traveled around the world. He was looking for healthy people. He had the feeling he would find them in indigenous people groups that were not yet affected by modernity. So he went to Australia and yes, Kenya and the South Sea Pacific Islands and everywhere he went, he found people who were hale and hearty, but with these beautiful broad faces, perfect teeth, great posture, you know, with tremendous fertility and optimism. And he couldn't help but contrast them with the people that he was seeing, even children in his dental clinic in Ohio, who were pale, who had poor posture, who had behavior problems. And he really could see the link between what the people were eating and how their health was. And he was not just a dentist, really. He was a researcher. So he would send samples of the food from these indigenous people back to his lab in Ohio for analysis. And what he found was, of course, the diets around the world varied, but they had things in common that made them super nourishing and made the people super healthy. And that's what the Weston A. Price Foundation is about. And that's a little background on who Dr. Price is. I love that. Um, and that that is exactly, um, you know, what I tried to share here, really from a, you know, kind of biblical perspective, just taking us back to real food the way God made it. And I think that's very much what Dr. Price found is just um, these indigenous cultures just eating real food that was provided, uh, you know, regionally, seasonally, um, and and thriving upon that. Let's talk about some of the the things that he found that are much in contrast to what we find today. I think one of the most important and interesting findings, which which I think it's interesting that he was frankly disappointed to discover, was that there were no vegetarian or vegan indigenous uh, ways of eating or indigenous cultures. Can you speak more to that? 
Yes, absolutely. You're exactly right. He was disappointed because he was hoping he would find some plant-based cultures, but the most nutrient dense foods are those that come from animals or seafood. It, the plants and the vegetables have their place. The, the wise traditions diet or what Weston A. Price um, lifted up were foods, you know, across the board that are good for you, that are natural with no labels. But he could not deny the fact that the most nutrient dense foods were those coming from animals. And I mean, you know, eggs, cheese, organ meats, bones. And these were things, again, that he witnessed with his own eyes, Chelsea, were doing people good. And it wasn't like he was just like idealizing these indigenous tribal cultures, because he found those who were still eating this way, as we've described, really close to the land, if you will, and, and not going to a supermarket, but eating off of the land, the animals and the vegetables and so forth. And he could contrast them with people who had been influenced by Western diets and cultures. And so they were including some white flour and sugars and vegetable oils, and they would start to suffer the conditions of modern man in the tribal culture that hadn't had that before. So he could contrast even related peoples with each other, those who were eating the traditional ways and those who had departed. It was quite stark. And actually, that's how I ended up in Kenya, just to segue back to that beautiful place, this small village called Oiti on the border of Tanzania. I went in 2015 at the behest of a Maasai tribesman who contacted the foundation and said, please send someone over. We're all getting sick. He was like, I know. I was like, what? It gives me chills whenever I tell the story. He's like, I have diabetes. My wife has asthma. He could see in his own family, Chelsea, the physical degeneration of his people, even his children. He was like, look at my youngest daughter, Camilla. She has the crowded teeth and the narrower face, which Dr. Price saw as a hallmark of poor nutrition. And he could see the contrast with his older kids who had the broader face facial structure and the better posture and all the things. So he's like, I can tell my tribe these things, but if someone came from far away, I think it would be more influential on them. So sure enough, there I went, um, just a chapter leader at the time, um, because I love this group. I was like, this all makes sense to me, that kind of what God has given us nurtures and nourishes us best. And what man puts on the supermarket shelves has a long shelf life, but it shortens your own. So anyway, I ended up over there and it was so wonderful to say, don't eat our way, for goodness sakes, eat your way, eat the way that has nourished your people for millennia. And at the end of my time there, and you'll appreciate this as a fellow believer, the pastor of the small church in this village got up in front of the congregation and he said, starting today, all the women will cook our traditional foods. And I was kind of cringing, thinking, oh, no, are they going to be mad at me? <laughs> I was like, oh, no, he's just making this dictum. Well, I found out later that the tribe makes decisions by consensus. So certainly the elders had gotten together to discuss, you know, what should we do? And I was so pleased that a year later when I returned, this was in 2016, they had started to return to their most nourishing foods. And when I was there, they'd slaughtered a goat. They literally ate some of the organs raw. They were drinking blood. And I'm not saying this is all because of me. It was really because of a call that they heard. Maybe they even sensed God is behind this to tell us to return to the traditions that nourish us best. Oh, that is such a great story. I love that. Um, you know, and it's, 
it's interesting. We have to to think about and consider that. Um, I think that you know that, that he found um, Dr. Price found different cultures. You know, eating different things, all real food, right? Yep, yep. Um, but not exactly maybe the same macronutrient ratios or exactly the same kind of foods. Um, I always say, you know, we hear all these people talk about, you know, superfoods like super plants and from this region or super plants from this region. I'm like, every God doesn't just, you know, leave some, <laughs> God doesn't just give the shaft to some people like you, only you hear people in Africa, only you get to have superfoods. You know, like, I think we all have superfoods regionally and seasonally, but even, um, as far as like we were talking about the meat, um, about different sources of protein and meat. I mean, for some, um, cultures that may have been very heavy. And for some cultures, it may have been um, lighter, like even insects, um, only eating insects, maybe as their protein. It makes me think of John the Baptist. Um, <laughs> That's right. The locusts and the wild honey. Right. You're exactly right, yeah. Chelsea. And I think it's easy for us to get deceived by or allured by, you know, the fancy packages. And they're like, the goji berry has these antioxidants as if you know, you needed to get these from another part of the world. You're, you're exactly right. I think we can look for what's right around us um, from local farms, you know, grow some of our own food and be nourished deeply wherever on the planet we live. The people on the South Sea Pacific Islands had a lot of seafood in their diet, of course. The people in Alaska, you know, had a high percentage of fat in their diet. Of course, they needed to be kind of eating more of that fat for you know, all of, they couldn't grow plants. Let me just put it that way. They needed to have the, the seafood and the whale blubber and the seal oil and so forth. And then in Switzerland, it was a lot of dairy and butter and cheese. And so look at where you live. And I would even say, this is not what the foundation says. So this is just holistic Hilda, but, you know, look at kind of your own body type and your own body's inclination, because I do think God has given us an innate wisdom, and also a constitution that will help us guide our food choices. Again, it's not a choice between Pop-Tarts and Special K cereal that I'm talking about. I'm talking <laughs> about things that aren't packaged and will nourish us well. So my dad is from Cuba. My mom is from Mexico. On the island of Cuba, they eat a lot of pork. I guess there are a lot of wild boar and pigs there. So I love bacon, and that helps me thrive. That might not be what helps you thrive. Again, looking at your own ancestry, but where you're living in the world, these things should inform your food choices, not what the latest influencer is touting. Exactly. Yes. And that, and that is obviously going to be a little bit different for everyone. And just like you were speaking to, um, maybe um, people living in colder regions, more Northern regions would be eating less plants, right? And people closer to the, the equator might have been eating more plants, um, more root vegetables, that kind of thing. And so it just varies. And that that's just the perfect example of why there is no one right diet for um for every person and why we do have to take these things into consideration and not just blindly follow um people influencers that one diet might work for them but um not necessarily doesn't mean that's going to necessarily work for you um well tell us some more about some of the things that um Dr. Price discovered that we have you know gotten away from today and that um, people like you are just really trying to um, 
keep us, you know, bring us back into this, this ancestral space or this traditional food space um, and just and keep that the importance of those alive and present in front of people. Yeah, I mean, there's so many things I want to share with you. The Wise Traditions diet or lifestyle, so to speak, has 11 principles, and they're all beautiful and very grounding. You know, they remind us to, for example, honor the whole animal. Dr. Price noted that the cultures would eat nose to tail, you know, so we throw that phrase around a lot now, but it just means they didn't waste anything. <laughs> they would use, let's say, the chicken heads for a broth to get more collagen out of it. And they would eat the, the brains of the animal. And if you are a believer, then you know that God doesn't waste anything either. Everything on this earth has its purpose, right? So there are little things like that. Um, you know, we've been told, oh, salt is bad for you. It might cause high blood pressure. Well, if you just eat the table salt that's iodized and, and you know, it's got anti-caking agents and so forth, that might not be good for you. But real salt has trace minerals. It actually has nutrients in it, just like honey does. So what I love about this wise traditions lifestyle is it's very inclusive. It's all about, there's no deprivation. It's all about everything that God has put on this earth is good for us. Um, you know, again, seeing what works for your own body, but we don't, we don't need to deprive ourselves. And I think when we hear the word diet, we're like, oh yeah, I guess I should avoid these things because it's, you know, high in oxalates or something. Well, again, if you properly prepare foods as ancient cultures did, there's nothing to fear. So that is one of the principles too, that you can include grains and nuts and seeds and legumes in the diet, but they need to be soaked. This is again, something Dr. Price observed. And what that does when you soak the beans or the nuts or the seeds or the legumes, it neutralizes these anti-nutrients that naturally come with some plants that can be harmful to the digestive tract and make the nutrients less bioavailable. And at first this overwhelmed me. I was like, what are they talking about? Soaking, sprouting. I don't get all this stuff fermenting, you know, but I found, oh, it's as easy as putting some oats, you get some organic oats from Whole Foods or Trader Joe's or whatever's near you sprouts and you put them in a bowl, add some warm water and maybe a, a splash of apple cider vinegar and let it soak overnight. And you've neutralized something that would be harmful for you. And again, you make the nutrients in the oats more bioavailable. And then you can enjoy your granola that you bake at a low temperature or your oatmeal the next day. It's not tricky. It's just a matter of understanding, oh, these ancient principles are in keeping with how, you know, God has given us all these things and they just need to be put in the proper framework. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've alluded to that here and in, in there and it, um, you know, we, I've shared with my audience that, you know, plants, um, are wonderful, but they are, they also don't want to be eaten. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like they do not have teeth and claws like animals do, um, since they are rooted in the ground, but they have things called anti-nutrients, which can be, um, hard on the digestive system, hard on your body. Um, make, make these, the whole reason that you would eat plant foods, um, make you, unable to get the nutrients from them because of these anti-nutrients, but properly preparing them in the way that you're talking about soaking and sprouting um, neutralizes those. And so that they, that you can get the good nutrition out of them. I think, um, you know, when, as I, when I went through my training, um, 
through NTA to become a nutritional therapist. Um, you know, this was at the time when paleo was the paleo diet was just gaining popularity. You know, it's very anti-dairy, very um, anti-grains and such. And and without this, and this is why I kind of keep talking about this kind of anchor, this grounding teaching um, from the Weston A. Price Foundation, because with if I didn't have that to kind of balance out some of these, you know, some of what was being popular at the time and still is today, you know, um, a mm-hmm. lot of people can't handle grains. I think they could handle them much better if they would properly prepare them. But I don't completely discount those for somebody I'm working with. I mean, in in one of my, my I guess you call my signature program that I take my clients through Feast to Fast, um, really we're dealing with um, how do we approach carbohydrates. And um, in one of the levels of carbohydrates that, you know, we go through are what I call whole food carbohydrates, the, 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 the grains, the legumes, because for some people, they're very nourishing when prepared properly. We can't just totally throw the baby out with the bathwater and say, these are good for nobody. In fact, in my last round I did of my program, Feast to Fast, I had one, um, one of my participants who had been scared to eat grains for such a long time because of all of this, you know, anti-grain type talk. And I, you know, she was so grateful just to be in a space that, you know, it was like, oh, it's it's okay. You, if it works for you, then it, then that's wonderful. Then if, you know, if it is something that your body tolerates and works for you, then great. And so she brought them back in. She properly prepared it. She soaked her, um, her quinoa and it made all the difference in the world for the first time in years. She felt so much better. And so that was just a, you know, it was a great, um, example of how, again, not all of us are going to thrive on the exact same diet. And we, you know, it is good to try different things and, and see what works for your body. But I just am so appreciative for the way that I was trained and for this foundation, because, um, to, to have that, to offer that and to keep that, um, available and alive and, and, and educating people on that. Absolutely. And I would love to interject a personal story here. So when I was teaching exercise classes several times a week, I remember my blood sugar would dip. I'd be teaching, you know, a workout and I'd start sweating, not because I was working out so hard, but because I would just feel suddenly weak inside, you know, and it's because I was having the standard American breakfast kind of, I was having cereal with a little low fat milk and a few berries and that couldn't sustain me. And then when I changed my diet to more protein and fats, first of all, I was in heaven because it all tasted so good. But second of all, I realized, oh my gosh, I can soar till two, three in the afternoon. Like it was such a game changer. And that's one thing that I just am so thankful for that the way God has designed us, these foods are all so nourishing and satiating and and tasty. It's like he could have just made it utilitarian, like, okay, here you go, you know, eat this and you'll feel good. No, it tastes good too. And I'm so, so very thankful. So for me, the big discovery was butter, to be honest with you. Like I was thinking, okay, there are these wise traditions principles. There's a bunch of them. Like, where do I start? I just was like, I'm going to start with a year of butter. I felt like I was, you know, starting my own calendar. Like there's a Chinese calendar with a Zodiac and stuff. I was like, okay, this is the year of butter. (laughs) I started including butter. My family was so happy because everything tasted better, but I was so satiated, as I said, and I realized, oh my gosh, fat doesn't make you fat. It actually fuels your body. It helps your cognitive function, all the things. And so I'm just over the moon. And it it made sense to me 
just to reiterate, I realized, oh my gosh, these wise traditions principles are in such accord with the way God has made the world that what he offers us is fantastic and for our good. And what man makes in the pretty packages and stuff is just a, a pale imitation of the most nourishing foods on the planet. Exactly. I mean, I am I am kind of frightened, frankly, about like all this anti-meat diatribe um, and this fake meat, you know, that's coming out. I mean, there's just, there's no replacement for the way that God made it. Um, and, you know, what a lot of what I try to do here is just remind people to use that godly compass, you know, use your godly compass, you know, the creator of our body made the perfect foods for our body. And, you know, the closer that we keep to that, the um, the healthier that we're, that we're going to be, which, you know, it includes meat, includes these healthy fats like butter. I mean, we, we it's like, just think of it as old school. It's just old school before, <laughs> before like modern industry got their hands on, um, you know, on the food and, and changed everything. And so, um, and so, yeah, I, it, uh, it's really, um, you know, groups like this and people like you just that are, are educating people and, and helping keep this at the forefront. Um, what tell us more, I think it's really fascinating that, um, you know, part of what Dr. Price discovered is um, the importance of the fat soluble vitamins like in, you know, in this butter and in, in the healthy fats and in the, um, the, the animal um, foods and, and just kind of talk to us more about that. Yeah, it's interesting. I think for a time people thought, oh, I have to avoid, you know, certain fats because like a, a salad is the right kind of lunch for me with just some kind of light dressing, not realizing, and I was one of these as well that didn't realize that the fat makes a difference even in the accessibility of the nutrients in that you know, arugula or spinach or kale or whatever you're having in the salad. So you, if you tried to have vegetables without fat, for example, it wouldn't get, the nutrients wouldn't get absorbed as well. So yes, this was a key finding of Dr. Price that the nutrient density is found often in the fats and the meats, vitamins A, D, E, and K. He actually called vitamin K the X factor because he's like, there's something here and I don't know what it is, but it makes it so people can absorb or get the most out of their food. So rather than avoiding fat, which is what you know, at least in the U.S. for years, the USDA and the FDA and others were pushing people away from fat. We need to run toward it as fast as we can. Um, and again, the the foods and the fats that are best are actually those that come naturally from animal products. So I'm talking about lard and tallow. Lard is from the pig. Tallow is from the cow and duck fat. You know, these are what people use to cook with for millennia. And it was nourishing them on a cellular level. And if you replace those, which we have indeed done with those little bottles on the supermarket shelf, the plastic bottles that say heart healthy and all the oils look yellow, they're actually rancid and they're oxidizing our bodies. So they're causing free radicals to form and, and leading to cancer. Sally Fallon Morell, the head of the Weston A. Price Foundation, calls this the oiling of America. But let me tell you something, Chelsea, 
It's not just in America. I've been to Kenya and Australia and all these places and people think, oh, this cheap oil that we can buy practically from the, for the gallon, you know, is what we should cook in. And so people are cooking their traditional foods in these oils. It's such a tragedy because these lead to, like I said, the oxidative process, but it can lead to arthritis, heart conditions, all kinds of kind of a downward spiral that happens with the health when we leave our traditional foods. And I want to say something real quick about the blue zones. So you've heard about these books and these series and the videos about the blue zones. They say, oh, the longest living people are eating these healthy diets. I spoke to a woman who lives near the Nicoya Peninsula, which is a place where they said, oh, there are these centenarians and uh, down in the Central America and they live this way and this is why they're so healthy and they avoid all these you know, animal products. Well, she interviewed some centenarians and they said, you know what? When these people came around, we were embarrassed to tell them that we used to cook with lard, so we didn't tell them. So they thought our diet was all this, you know, beans and vegetables. And But what did we have to cook with, they told my friend, except lard. That's what we had. We had the pig. We slaughtered the pig. We would use its, you know, fat. To, we would render it and turn it into lard, and we would cook all our things in it. But they know that these fats have been demonized, so they're hiding it. <laughs> and also they said, you know what, the people writing these books, they see what they want to see. So they don't want to see that we're using these things. So we also kind of were, it was a combination of what the people wanted to see who were making the documentaries and the books. And also that the people who live that way were kind of embarrassed because they knew it had been cast aside, you know. So we need to return to the things that really nourish. And these include vibrant butter that has vitamins A, D, and E, and K in it. You know, animal fats that also has the arachidonic acid that's so good for our cognitive function on our cells and so forth. So yeah, we need to return to these and run away from the seed oils that, like I said, are rancid. And people don't know that because they go through this huge process to deodorize these oils and make them look pretty and taste somewhat palatable, but they are not what God has given us. And that's not what we should be using. No. And it was just it's I remember before I even went back to um, become a nutritional therapist, my sister-in-law gave me a copy of Nourishing Traditions. Um, this was back when I was um, just I was having fertility issues. So I had fertility issues, digestive issues, a, a genetic skin condition. And that's what led me to, um, you know, holistic and a holistic approach because I just kind of hit the end of the road with doctors. They couldn't help me anymore. And it was changing my diet that changed my health and changed everything. And I was, you know, I was able to conceive within, you know, like six weeks of changing my diet, all this amazing <sighs> stuff. So that's wow. why. Yeah. And so that's what led me to where I am. And then once I learned everything, I was like, I cannot keep this to myself. I have to help people know this mm -hmm. information. But I remember um, her giving me that book before um, I, I even went, was even thinking about doing anything like this and um, just being so blown away and so liberated, like I can, but I can eat butter. Butter yeah. is good. And, you know, all of these things. And it turned out that her book, along with Weston A. Price's book, were part of my, you know, required reading to become a nutritional um, therapy practitioner. And so, um, like, that's why I say they were just so foundational to um, to my training and to the way I have learned to eat and just really, I guess, just contributes to the peace of the way that I eat it. It made so much sense to me to be in alignment with the way, you know, God made 
our bodies and made food for our bodies. And so it just really kind of all came together and made it make so much sense. But I think that, you know, for us who grew up in the, you know, anti-fat, eat a bajillion carbohydrates um, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. era, like me growing up in the 80s and 90s, it, you know, it was a hard switch. And I think it's, I think while people have realized and embraced some of the healthy fats like butter and, you know, they're not afraid of butter, olive oil. I still think there's some trepidation over animal fats like mm-hmm. tallow and, and lard and such. And my husband's a grass fed cattle rancher. And so we eat a lot of beef. Um, but even just, you know, I'm trying to make myself cook with tallow more. It's just unfamiliar. You know, mm-hmm. it is just, it's just unfamiliar. Um, but it's so nourishing. And so I think there's still work and education yet to be done um, just to overcome all of these, this scariness about cholesterol and such. But um, I think, you know, headway is being made and, and, um, and that, and it's good. It's very, very good. So Um, yeah, so thankful. You know, when, what was so interesting to me is when you, when you read um, physical nutritional degeneration and you see these pictures that Dr. Price took of these, um, these people with their their jaw structure. And that's kind of some things I've referenced here before is talking about, you know, as a dentist and how he he could see the um the well, I don't know, the, the degeneration of the facial structure, I guess you would say, the narrowing yeah. of the jaw. And just, you know, I think it's so fascinating um that, you know, we all get our wisdom teeth out now. Right. And I'm like, why would God put teeth in your head that he expects you to have extracted? (laughs) That doesn't make any sense. Totally. And once you see this, you can't unsee it. There is a physical, but I would even say also emotional and, and spiritual degeneration that happens as we depart from the ways that God has for us. I was sitting on a park bench one day, um, with my dog, it was a little dog park. And this woman sat down next to me and she said, oh my gosh, she was a teacher. And she said, the kids in my classroom are just not taking their meds. You know, they've got ADD and depression, a bunch of them see counselors, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, they're just out of control these days. And I said, well, um, what grade do you teach? She said, second grade. Hmm. And I'm mentioning this, Chelsea, because I think we've gotten accustomed to what is common. It's like, oh, it's normal for a kid to have ADD or for a kid in second grade to need glasses or to need a counselor. That's not true. That's a lie of the devil. Let me just say we are birthright. What God wants for us is to be healthy and happy. And it's the devil who wants a sideline. So it is time to return to what has nourished people for millennia. If you're confused, follow the money trail. Some of my friends say, you know, who stands to benefit from this better meat? Better for who? Better for the ones making it because they're going to make more of a profit because soy, you know, per penny is less expensive. It's less expensive for them to put this out and market it, market it than it is for them to have some ranches with some animals that are actually out in the open air and on the pasture. That's more costly. So you make a slimmer profit margin. So who benefits from the better meat? It's, it's better for their pockets of the people selling it. We need to pay attention and be very wise. And I'm so grateful for what you said a moment ago about how we have this kind of uh, God-given intuition. We have the Holy Spirit, for goodness sakes, who can direct us if we simply ask because God said, seek and you will find, ask and it shall be given to you. Knock and the door will be open to you. Mm, absolutely. I love that. And that, I don't know why that, that makes me think of, you know, when we were talking about 
just kind of this intuitive way that our ancestors and these traditional people cooked their food. And, um, and I'm always thinking about that and so curious, you know, these traditions got passed down, I think in our modern day society driven by convenience, we've lost so much of this, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. I think the most modern example I could use for people, I mean, a lot of, well, here in the South, anyway, a lot of people, we still, we cook beans, right? And if you look on the back of the beans, it tells you to soak the beans. And a lot of people skip that step. And that's why you're so gassy, everybody. Exactly. (laughs) I used to be like, I hate chili. And everyone's always joking about how it makes you gassy. Not if you prepare the beans, right? Right. And so that's just one example when we're talking about soaking and and sprouting and such is like the beans. But I always think, how did the original, original people know how to cook this food? You know, I think that's so fascinating to consider. But it um, I think, you know, yes, God puts those that um, that instinctive um, knowledge within us and 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 we've just kind of lost our way with that. We've, we've had just such an interrupted pattern of being able to be in tune with our bodies and connected with our bodies. And I think that's one thing probably you find with working with people. I know I do is just bringing an awareness, you know, like you have gas. Okay. What did you eat two hours ago? What, how did you prepare it? I mean, people don't even make those connections anymore to what they eat and how they feel. And, um, it reminds me, can Go ahead. I just interject. Yes. Um, I get excited. So in case you can't tell. Um, but so when I was in Australia, I got to meet with some Aboriginal women. And as you may know, the Aboriginal culture is one of the oldest cultures on the planet, they believe. And one of the women told me, you know, in our tribe, we have this tradition called Dadiri, which is deep listening. And I think, oh, that resonated with me because I was thinking of Psalm 4610, you know, be still and know that I am God. If we take the time to be still, which is hard in this day and age, I know we've all got a million things and the kids need you. And then there's another email to send out and you've got to, you know, get your son over to soccer practice. There's always something. But we as Christians, especially know the importance of being still so that we can discern what God has for us. And if we are still, it, it might bring to the fore some of these traditions or things that we've kind of been dismissive of, you know, maybe we'll actually read the back of the bean packet or something. If we actually <laughs> dare to be still in a crazy, busy, chaotic world. Yes, absolutely. That is absolutely right. Um, I'm so fascinated by your tra- your travel abroad and and how, what an exciting experience, um, an eye-opening experience to um, to observe and just be a part of these people and, and what they're doing. Um, are, do you have any other, I'm sure you have a lot of stories, not to put you on the spot, but I just, I'm so, I'd like just soaking that in like, wow, such wisdom. And, and interesting that the, um, was it the Messiah, the one tribe had kind of maybe become a little bit disconnected from yep. their instinct and wisdom by sadly what, you know, the pervasive influence of, um, of these industrial foods that are are coming from um, the West. Chelsea, I was sitting in Dixon's home. He's the Maasai warrior that contacted the foundation. And I think it was a relative of his who was a beautiful woman dressed in her traditional Kenyan or Maasai rather clothing with the bright colors and the beads on the earrings and the necklaces. I mean, she was amazing. In one hand, she had a chai tea, which was loaded with refined sugar. And in the other hand, she had a white bread jam sandwich. And I was like, 
what is happening? You know, they had departed. They'd kept some of their traditions, obviously, from her clothing and their songs, but they had departed being influenced by Western culture. Another woman in Kenya, a professional woman in Nairobi said to me, yeah, when I go back to my grandmother's village, I can see that the people are healthier. And then I come into the city and, you know, we're all stressed. And it's just, you know, what we were talking about, that that lack of of stopping and being still to discern what is really best for me. We've, we're sacrificing our health on the altar of convenience. And it's so unfortunate. One other story I do want to share was from Ecuador. This past summer, I was in a small town called Santa Barbara. And there was this man there, a Pauqui Flores, who was a Quechua man. And that's how they pronounce it there. He said, we're Quechua. And he had long hair braided. It was beautiful. And my friend who was with me said, Apauki, how is it that your hair is so strong and thick and healthy? He said, no stress. Mm. And I was like, oh my gosh. Yes, there is a secret here. And it's kind of right under our noses. It's all the things God tells us. Be still and know that I am God. Cast your anxiety on on him because he cares for you. You know, there's so much of what I've seen, Chelsea, that resonates with the word of God and who he is and what he wants for our lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. He is the great provider and the great physician. And I always tell people, you know, a lot of people will pray for their health, you know, God, please take this, this disease away, please, you know, do this and that. And, um, help me. And, and it's like that story of the, the person that was waiting for, um, waiting for God to rescue them, you know, from, I, th- I think the story is like, they were stranded on, stranded in the sea or something. And God sent a lifeboat and God sent all these things. He's like, no, I'm waiting for God to, to rescue me. But, you know, God had sent all of these things already, these, <laughs> these rescue mechanisms. And I think that, you know, the lesson is that God has provided everything that we need to be healthy. And the Bible is such a good, um, y- you know, a good source of this information for us to go to. Mm. I have this thing I call the Genesis prescription um, that I, you know, I feel like everything has really been revealed to us. All of the, the best health practices in Genesis, you know, um, water, sunshine, plant foods, animal foods, nature, um, rest, um, community, breath, you know, all of these things that we are, we were created alongside, you know, in the create alongside creation in the creation story. And we're all meant to, um, to work in this, you know, symbiotic relationship with it. And, and we're just too disconnected from the food, from nature, from, um, from all of it. And, and even in these past few years with all the COVID stuff from fellowship and companionship, I mean, all of these ways have just really um, degraded the health of our body and it's, it's food, but it's all of these things. And I know that you are a big lover of nature and that you, um, you make it a point. I mean, it's part of your lifestyle to get out there and, and be immersed in that. Tell us some more about that. Cause I saw your picture on your website of you um, like in the snow, like, I don't know if you were probably cold plunging. I cannot, I cannot <laughs> do that yet. That is, I, I want to, but that is the one place I am getting stuck is any kind of cold plunging. But tell us more about some of your lifestyle practices that you like to incorporate. So I get it, Chelsea, when people feel busy and harried. I was a fitness professional, like I said earlier, before I got into this podcasting space and I would go from my home with my kids, I'd drop them off at school. I would go to my exercise class. Then I would go to the grocery store. Then I would come home, pick them up, 
make dinner, all the things. If I spent 15 minutes outside, it was a good day. Like I, I didn't know at the time how healing nature is. It really does. The heavens declare the glory of God. And if we're not looking up and we're busy looking at our screens, we're missing it. And that spiritual component, yes, God made us to know him and to have nature point to him. And we really, really need to get out there to find our place again and kind of get our wits about us. You know, scientists try to understand what is it about nature that does this? It lowers our cortisol. It, you know, reduces the incidence of cancer and depression, all these things. They can't quite put their finger on it. But I think it's because nature has God's fingerprints and points us in the right direction. So what I do now, it's super simple. I just, the first thing I do sunrise before screen rise. So even if you've got little ones who wake you up with their cry, Take that little baby outside with you, mama. You know, three out of the four seasons, you probably can do it wherever you live and and get outside first thing. It it helps put us in sync with nature. And that's where they come up with the name circadian rhythm. You know, you get in sync with nature's rhythm and you are more alert as your eyes get the sun in them. It kind of hits your pineal gland. It helps oversee hormone functions. You'll have more profound sleep at night. It's amazing. All the things. I love your Genesis prescription, Chelsea. This is what God wants for us. So I get out first thing because just like a workout, if you don't do it first thing, you know, it might get away from you and you get busy with all your things. But and also mama's the little ones, if they're like crying and everybody's cranky, take them outside and watch how their attitudes will transform in just a few moments as they suddenly see a worm and the sunlight and it just changes everything. I don't think we were meant to be inside all the time. Our ancestors and Dr. Price noticed this as well. We're outside three quarters of the time and we are doing the exact opposite. We're inside three quarters of the time. So I do my best to also take my meals outside. I have a little patio out back. And, you know, if I go out to eat somewhere, I'm like, can we sit outside? Like, it's just trying to make it a little habit. And of course I have a dog, so that helps me get out more now too. But do whatever you can, because it reminds you again of your place in the world. You don't have to carry the whole world on your shoulders. You know, whether you're a high powered CEO listening right now or a mom of little ones, both of you can release your burdens as you let nature take some of it from you. And I'm going to get real specific here. So I've learned a lot through the Wise Traditions podcast and the guests I've interviewed about how we're bombarded by radiation that's not natural. It's kind of artificial frequencies that become like a load for us. And when you put your feet on the ground, literally the earth says, I'll take that from you. It takes your kind of positive charge that you get from all of this radiation, which isn't a good thing, it's burdensome, and it replaces it with a negative charge that can hook onto the free radicals that could be cancer-causing. Instead, it kind of neutralizes their action and brings you a level of peace you earlier in the day may not have experienced. So get outside, get barefoot, you know, morning, noon, and night, and, and just let it point you to God and let the earth take your burdens as God has designed it to do. Mm, exactly. That is exactly what I encourage people to do here. Do some grounding, do some, um, get that, that, especially that morning sunlight, get into your eyes. I love what you said. You said sunrise before screen rise. That is so good. <laughs> <laughs> that is so good. Yes. And just, um, yeah, something I haven't really done a whole deep dive into yet are the is the EMFs and and such mm -hmm. that is an, another thing on the list to to talk about here, but um, it is um, 
just important to know that nature is healing. You know, God put all of these healing qualities in the earth. I say it's like this holistic chamber just outside, just waiting for you to step out in and and um, soak up all of the um, the healing energy that God has put in in the ground and in the sun and and all of these things. And yes. again, He is our great provider. And um, I don't think you know God means our health um, and healing to be complicated or or inaccessible. I mean, he wouldn't do that, you know? Um, And so it's there for people. I think we tend to overcomplicate it and we don't take the time to do these things, but that's, that is what is required. And that's part of the being still is taking time to care for our holy temples. Um, And I just, and I can interject another story. Yes, please. Because that's what I do best. Apparently (laughs) I get excited. Um, But yeah. So um, when I was in Peru, I had the privilege of going to this small town called La Merced. And it was like about two and a half hours from Cusco by bus, like all the way up. It was like thousands of feet above sea level. And I saw these beautiful children, Chelsea, who had these beautiful round faces and kind of ruddy cheeks, not from eczema or allergies, but from exposure to the sun. Like I found out that a lot of them in the town, their parents worked the land. So they were outside a lot and they were just beautiful, beautiful kids. And then I went down to Lima to talk to some university students about, again, saying, eat your way, don't eat our way. It was just such a lovely message to bring some of these wise traditions principles I was sharing. And the university students were pale and frail and hunched. And I was like, oh my gosh, for all their learning, they have left behind some of the simplest healing things in their lives. You know, they've come to this big city to learn and they are all in front of blue light all the time, probably getting all kinds of radiation from the Wi-Fi networks and the cell towers and, you know, thinking they're, you know, going places and, and maybe they are, but it's also damaging their health along the journey. So I I feel like there are some simple things that God wants us to call, call us to. And I just, I want to encourage anyone right now who's like, oh, there's so many things I've got to transform. Just pick one. Like I did pick butter or pick getting outside and little by little, you'll be able to, as I like to say, stack your hacks. In other words, start including these habits into your life that will help you, but don't feel like you have to do it all at once. Just take it, you know, one day at a time. And over time, you'll, you'll find your strength and your energy renewed by these simple, really biblical principles. Yes. You can take the year of the dragon approach. <laughs> yes, exactly. You got it. <laughs> One thing at a time. Uh-huh. I love that. Oh, it has been so wonderful to have you on. Before I let you go, I want to ask you the anchor questions I ask all of my guests. And the first one is, what is your anchor meal? Or one anchor meal is just a go-to healthy meal that you eat very often, usually have um, the ingredients on hand. It's so simple, but it's really true. It's bacon and eggs, girl. It's just bacon and eggs, you know, wonderful protein, choline, like so many things in the egg. It's such a near perfect food in my estimation. And then bacon has got the fat and it just tastes so good. And then you can fry the eggs and the bacon fat. I mean, I just could go on and on, but I just, I'm, what works for my body type and my cravings and everything is just really hearty animal carnivore ish kind of meals. So I would have to say bacon and eggs, really simple, but that's it. 
I'm the same. That's that's what my body likes too. And I think simple is even better. If you came on here with some very complicated meal that people are like, ah, that's so hard to do. So yes. And I think that's another thing about just, you know, coming back around to these traditional foods, like really, I get to eat bacon and eggs. I mean, I can remember that. And, and all the husbands of the um, clients I work with, all the wives, all the husbands love me because I'm like, yes, bacon and eggs are fine. You know, all the meats and the the vegetables and even potatoes, they're fine. And so it's, it's just freeing. It's liberating, like I said, but I love yes. you bacon and eggs, girl, I'm with you. Okay. Mm-hmm. How about an anchor verse, a verse that is just a favorite or one that resonates with you right now? Just share away. When I went to Kenya in 2015, a friend of mine, well, she became my friend, went with me. We were both two volunteers just going for the foundation and she was a Christian as well. And she said, Hilda, here's this verse that we should put on all of our flyers. And I've never forgotten it. And I had not heard of it until that day. It's Jeremiah 6, 16. And it says, stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. I'm telling you, Chelsea, these truths that we're sharing that have to do with happy, healthy living are these ancient paths. They are the good way that God wants us to walk in, and we will find rest for our souls and health for our bones as well. Oh, that's so beautiful. No one has shared that before. I love that. And I I haven't heard that either. So that makes me so happy when I discover a new gem of a Bible verse. That's incredible. (laughs) So great. Tell everybody where they can find you, follow you, listen to you, all the good stuff. Well, the Wise Traditions podcast is released every week. I make that on behalf of the Weston A. Price Foundation. And I really try to take some of the complicated... um, shall I say, scientific terms and stuff and translate them, make them accessible and applicable. And at the end of every show, I always ask, what's one thing the listener can do to improve their health? Because I'm all about making it kind of accessible and and the bite-sized wisdom to to go for folks. So that's one place, the Wise Traditions Podcast. I've also got my holistichilda.com website with some free resources and stuff. And then I'm all over Instagram and YouTube, Holistic Hilda. Perfect. That's fantastic. Thank you again so much for being here and for your patience and finally connecting. I'm so glad that we finally connected and I hope we we stay connected. Um, I think all of us, especially as believers, you know, need to to do that and just um, encourage one each other, build each other up as we're building others up and just really um, coming together to try to keep ourselves healthy so that we can do all of the good work that God has called us to do in the world. Exactly. Well, my pleasure, Chelsea. Thanks for having me on. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a healthy and blessed week and I will talk to you soon. Remember that my mom is an awesome nutritionist, but she's not a doctor. The information in this podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Always talk to your doctor before making changes to your nutrition or exercise program. Thanks for listening. Have a healthy and blessed week.